Top of the morning, Dan and Amy uh, over the weekend. Big ice bust of persons in this country illegally. Uh, many of whom are wanted for arrest for crimes they committed in their home countries. ICE uh, took 105 foreign nationals into custody who were illegally in the United States. This in New Jersey. 80% of those arrested had prior criminal convictions and are pending criminal charges, according to a statement released from ICE. Individuals arrested came from 24 countries around the world, including Canada, Egypt, Guatemala, Korea, Mexico, Poland, and Russia. Wow. Mm-hmm. Age ranges 18 to 65. Crimes varied from fraud to drugs to child abuse to theft. For example, a 59-year-old Korean national was wanted for a crime of indecent acts by compulsion causing bodily injury. Again, this from the ICE statement. A 44-year-old Korean national wanted for distributing psychotropic drugs. A 34-year-old Ecuadorian national wanted for fraud. A 54-year-old Russian national wanted for large-scale fraud. This is the one federal agency the Democrat Socialists want to abolish. Right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about uh, the bartender, Ocasio-Cortez. I'm talking about you've had three Democrats who co-sponsored legislation, House Democrats co-sponsored legislation this year to abolish ICE. Right. And then didn't they take it back or rescind it? No. No. So this is uh, framed against the backdrop of this budget showdown. 75 percent, as you'll hear from Kevin McCarthy, House House uh, uh, Minority Leader, House Republican Leader, House Majority Leader for now. Um Kevin McCarthy, 75% of the budget is funded. We've gone through the appropriations. But uh, there's this hang-up. And it's called the wall and funding for the wall. The Democrats do not want to budge. They want to give President Trump, what, half of what he's asking for? Uh, They want to give him zero of what he's asking for. McCarthy addressing this with Maria Bartiromo over the weekend. We were supposed to finish all of our work, and we've done 75% of all government funding. It's just these seven appropriation bills that need to be done. And the only reason why they're not, because it takes 60 votes in the Senate. Now, the challenge here is we know the problem with border security. We need our borders stronger, strong, secure, especially with the caravan and others. Uh, in the House version, we have $5 billion. The Senate version has $1.6. And what the president is saying is, I want a deal. Right. So the president's willing to deal and House Democrats are not. And that's really the hang up. By the way, when we're talking about this 75 percent, seven appropriate bills pending, that's on the discretionary side. Forget the majority of the federal budget that's on autopilot. So just something to keep in mind when you hear hysterics about, quote unquote, government shutdown. Kevin McCarthy says it's real simple what the problem is soon to be Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Now, Nancy Pelosi is in a different position. She's having a battle to become speaker. You have to have 218 votes on the floor. So that's January. But we have to get this all done in the next two weeks. You know the type of new member she has coming in. They're much more socialist, progressive. They don't go to her office to visit her. They go to her office to join in the protest. Mm. So she has a challenge that she doesn't want to vote for anything. She didn't want anything done. No, but we need to get this done. (laughs) Exactly. So it's more her personal politics than putting the American public first. So it seems like an opportunity, too, for Republicans potentially uh, with respect to the posture of House Democrats may be somewhat different than the posture of Senate Democrats, including their leader, Chuck Schumer. Uh, And also just how far Nancy Pelosi's caucus wants to take her 
their party, this country, when it comes to things like abolishing ICE. But here's the deal. Nancy Pelosi has got a lockdown for exactly what Kevin McCarthy said, because let me give you an example of who Nancy Pelosi's constituencies constituents are these days. Okay. The Democrat Socialists. St. Susanna Parish in Boston. Their nativity scene this year. It's an unconventional take on the nativity scene. The baby Jesus in a cave. We try to take a, a picture of the world as it is and to, and to put it together with the Christmas message. Jesus was about taking care of, of one another, and this is not the way to take care of one another. This is where you come to pray. This is not where you come to be preached at about what you should think about politics. Christ was political. I mean, he, you know, he was hung on a cross for being, for making political statements and bucking the authority, and that's exactly why he died. We're not trying to scandalize anyone. We're trying to reflect back a reality that has to be looked at. Yeah, baby Jesus in a cage, and Christ was a politician. There are your Democrat socialist core, your P1 voters, if you will, and that's who Nancy Pelosi has to serve until she becomes speaker. And that really doesn't work with this timeline of a quote unquote budget shut or government shutdown on December 21st. For more on this topic and a few others, we're pleased to be joined again by Noah Rothman, associate editor for Commentary Magazine. Noah, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. What would you advise House Republicans I and mean, Senate Republicans, for that matter, president to do when you know you're not going to be able to move Pelosi on one dime of border wall funding? Uh, well, you know, they're, they're in a very tough position. I mean, that's the nature of divided government. We're probably not going to see very much movement in terms of legislation, and particularly in terms of spending, which if you're a conservative, you know, you're not going to be crying too much over that. Um, when government is active, government isn't necessarily especially helpful. So it's not as though we're going to have, uh, we're going to have anything, uh, major in terms of legislation coming through the pipes, particularly, I think, in terms of how Donald Trump described what he wanted to do with the incoming divided government the day after the election. He wanted to compromise on big bills, big infrastructure spending, big environmental legislation. That's not happening. And it's not just because they can't see eye to eye on priorities. The Democratic base, and especially after what we saw come down on Friday in terms of uh, statements from Mueller's office in the Southern District of New York implicating the president in felony a campaign fraud, um, there's not going to be any impetus to work with this presidency. Democrats will be punished by their voters to work with this president. So we're going to see stasis paralysis, I think, for the next two years at least. Well, today, uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are meeting with President Trump to talk about, you know, a partial government shutdown before Christmas. Do you think that's just a waste of their time or do you think that he'll really work with them and they'll work with him? I don't think a shutdown is in anyone's interest, so we usually manage to find our way out of these things uh, in the last minute. But a two-week CR, a continuing resolution to get us past the point of crisis to the next point of crisis, uh, is not a good way to cover it. I think everybody's on a, a, in agreement there, but we're not going to see a budget. Uh, we haven't seen a budget in some time. Uh, and divided government indicates that we're not going to see any compromise. So this is the nature of things. We're going to see two weeks, three months six-month CRs at most uh, into the foreseeable future. Well, but if, but if you're President Trump, particularly on this issue, which is a core deliverable to your voters, in addition to, turns out, uh, sort of an 80% issue with the electorate, generally speaking, particularly juxtaposed against the abolish ice crowd on the other side, 
you you can't you can't blink on this. You can't move on this. So you have to go to the mat, and if that means continuing CRs as far as the eye can see, or some temporary shutdown of non-essential agencies and workers, then so be it, right? Maybe um, it, it's more in the in the GOP's interest to avoid a shutdown than anything. A because they're in the White House and they're seen as the governing party, and B because shutdowns always hurt the Republican Party. The Republican Party that is disproportionately blamed for shutdowns because they are the party of small government. The party of, of government has a tendency to be able to posture indignant, even if they're responsible for a shutdown. And we saw something a little different uh, last year, um, where the Democratic Party sort of stumbled into a shutdown over an immigration issue, over DACA. And they backed out of that um, because it was redounding to their, not to their benefit. And their members were bucking. They were going to just abandon the, the, the ship and, and, and give Republicans a small victory there. But you saw what happened in November. It's not as though it didn't redound to their benefit. Um, Democrats were not punished because they uh, forced a shutdown on, uh, on their members a year ago uh, at the polls. So I don't anticipate the Democrats are going to take any big lessons from that. Now, on Friday, we learned that uh, John Kelly is on the way out as the... Uh from the White House, who do you think should replace him? I know that Nick Ayers, Pence's guy, has already tweeted out this morning that he's not going to take the position. Uh, who do you think would best fit President Trump, especially during this time of these investigations? I haven't the slightest idea. It's, it's, it's very strange. This is the kind of job that people will take, you know, give their eye teeth for. I mean, this is Washington royalty. You get the keys to the kingdom if you're the chief of staff. Um, people should be knocking down this door to get that job. But it is a difficult position in this administration because this administration doesn't operate like past administrations. It doesn't have the same, the same chain of command. There are a lot of people who have access to this president, mostly through his family, um, people like uh, Ivanka and Jared Kushner, who uh, have frustrated, from all of reports that we've heard, frustrated people like John Kelly and Reince Priebus, um, because they, they're not responsive to the proper chain of command. So the person who takes this job has to not only be able to litigate uh, issues on the Hill and navigate the Hill, but also a West Wing that is far more Byzantine than a, the normal process we would see from, from a, a standard operating West Wing. So uh, I don't know who's the best guy for this job. I don't suspect the president really wants anybody to yeah. fill that job. I think he thinks he's the best chief of staff he can have. Uh, and he thinks most likely that his um, the way he's running this White House is the way he's run his, the Trump organization, and that worked for him. And so why wouldn't it work in, in the foreseeable future? I wanted to ask you a culture question uh, per this uh, piece in New York Magazine by Andrew Sullivan uh, about America's new religions. He writes, uh, on the one hand, we have the cult of Trump on the right, a demigod, who among his worshipers can do no wrong. And we have the cult of social justice on the left, a religion whose followers show the same zeal as any born-again evangelical. They're filling the void Christianity once owned without any of the wisdom and culture and restraint that Christianity once provided. Uh, Sullivan writes that where does this go, uh, these cults that he's describing? It goes to a period of illiberal politics in uh, America, and that should be a deep concern to uh, people who believe in uh, free minds and free markets, generally speaking. I want to get your reaction to what he said. Yeah, I think that's a pretty astute observation. Um, we, this country is no stranger to civic religion. Uh, in in the past, it's, it's essentially been the Constitution, which has taken on a, a sort of a civic compact as well as being 
um, just the sort of the, 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 the guidelines by which the government operates. The First Amendment, for example, only prohibits uh, speech um, being uh, speech and assembly and, and free expression being limited by, by the government. But we, as a country, have sort of taken it to mean this sort of uh, sacred compact by which we understand that your freedom of expression shall not be abridged even by uh, private institutions and private individuals. And that's sort of, a, of it's not religious necessarily, but it does go beyond um, what we understand as sort of civic compact to mean. Um, what we are seeing and what Andrew Sullivan has expressed is these theological commitments that we see, particularly on the left and social justice in particular, which has taken on a theocratic aspect to it um, in viable precepts by which people organize their lives, which you can call a religion by any other standard. And a cult of personality, as you described, is, uh, is what this president commands, and what any president commands to an extent, but particularly this president, also takes on the form of religiosity. Uh, I think this is a pretty astute observation, and yet um, what, he, what he notes is that's a sort of humility uh, and um, understanding that you yourself are not the center of the universe that is inherent in uh, the practice of these of the major religions, um, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, etc. Um, that is not present in what we see in these kind of theocratic commitments to political objectives, uh, and they can be co-opted pretty easily and pretty quickly by unscrupulous actors. Uh, and that's something that we should absolutely be cautious about. I, I, I don't share his concern that that we're in the middle of some sort of a crisis. Uh, beyond the point at which there is redemption, I, I don't think we're there yet. Um, but he's right to be concerned. This is a this is a real developing trend that um, that frustrates me and frustrates many people who are committed to small government. He is Noah Rothman, associate editor for Commentary Magazine. Noah, thanks as always for joining us. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.